0: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
1: All right. Yeah, Ronald.
2: This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. <laughs>
1: This is Dum Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P and Q here, Philippa Hall and Quentin Rayner. Hoping for at least a highly commended by the end of this episode. Plus, there's you, our dumdy dummers, who should be dope tested more often than Cecil Jackson's veg. This week's dumdy dum is from our Stephen and is a brilliant pastiche of the well-known 1977 film Close Encounters. And on this week's podcast, we hear calls from Jen with the spoon, Claire, Sarah, Catherine, and formerly cycling Christine, as well as an email from a non of Ambridge and a text from Chris. Marvelous. So, Quentin, what have you been up to since uh, since we last met? Hopefully a, a quieter week for you. Y-
3: yes, I finally made it home, uh, Philippa, uh, via Cornwall and Hertfordshire. So, I mean, a strange environment of being actually at home at last. So, uh, it's, yes, uh, after the hiatus of the last two and a half weeks, it's calmed down a bit. But uh, the highlights of my rather quiet week have been a concession to my grand old age. Which is I have now got acquired my first pair of very focals.
1: Ah, yes.
3: Um, mainly to keep my wife happy, because I kept saying, "Have you seen my glasses?" So she <laughs> said, "For God's sake, get some very focals, man." <laughs> so I'm getting used to those stumbling about. Uh, but I think I think I'm I think I'm going to be all right with them. But it does make you go a bit ooh for a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I had another unscheduled visit to the dentist. Please don't ask. Can't
4: um, believe I've been that many.
3: I had a very sharp haircut as well. Um, <laughs> which uh you know I'm, I'm i'm looking way under my sixty years for
1: a sharp haircut is that a haircut that looks good or a haircut that was done by such sharp scissors that there is there is nothing left uh
3: the former there is okay. There there is something oh, left fair enough. yes yeah, which is which is one of my objectives of going to the barbers is to come out with some hair <laughs> yes. oh right, my biggest thrill of the week uh is the fact that now you've reached the ground old old age can we mention it of 50 (laughs) <laughs> this week. Happy birthday, by the way. But have I stolen your thunder about your 50th? Because it was a major <laughs> moment in your life.
1: No, there's definitely no thunder to steal. It, it's happened. I, I've now entered <laughs> counselling to come to terms with it. The day before my birthday, I got invited for my flu jab. So that shows. Oh, my
3: God. Listen to us. Very focals and flu jabs.
1: Yes. So that's what we've been up to. But Quentin, remind us of the Borsetshire bulletin board this week.
3: Right. Here we go. Crumbs. It's Crumble. Tony's taken up cooking with lashings of cinnamon. Don't worry, he also had a witter about litter and brushed (laughs) off some rust from a standard shank, so he hasn't completely lost the plot. (laughs) It's also been a week of trimmed beetroot and pickled shallots, as Judge Jenny presided at the Flower and Produce Show. After being told by Brian to channel her inner prue Leith, Jenny first denounced the dead hand of the patriarchy in the Borsetshire media, (laughs) and then pronounced Burt Fry had won his own cup. Eddie's nobbling was rumbled after a low number of entries was noted, but he still left with a smile on his face thanks to Poppy's prize-winning monkey on a plate. With plenty of banging in the background, Amy turned up at the forge and accepted Chris's invitation to go out for a drink with him and Fallon. The hammerer then got hammered at the bull and had to be put to bed by his drinking partners. Fallon wrenched his boots off, goodness knows what Amy wanted to remove but she stayed on just a little bit longer to make sure he wasn't sick whilst dropping in that there was no shame in saying your marriage is over. Bizarrely Chris awoke to find his estranged alcoholic wife leaning over him suggesting the hair of the dog instead he went for her scrambled egg hangover cure which miraculously cleared his head enough for them to have the coziest non estranged chat about splitting up you could ever ask for. Come round whenever you like Chris told her I'm determined Martha's going to have a proper mother, Alice replied. And when he restated how much he loved her, she was equivocal. All week we've been left wondering who's put their foot in it after Joy, armed with only a watering can, twitched her neck curtains and saw someone loitering on the Brookfield estate. Johnny heard a side gate clang shut and then Lee found a footprint in Helen's garden. Helen immediately assumed it was Rob, returned from Canada to snatch back Jack And she fled to Bridge Farm. Joy got all excited when Tony got his drill bit out to install CCTV at Helen's house, which will ping video to her phone. She was also distinctly wistful about Tony having such a strong family. Alice hasn't fallen off the wagon this week, but was back in the saddle for one last time as she bid farewell to Banjo. Afterwards, she dropped the D word with her parents. Jenny was understanding but Brian seemed more concerned about the cost of a divorce to Home Farm's bottom line if Chris gets himself a decent lawyer. High-grade catnip for all Brian Bashers.
1: Very good, Quentin. Very good. Excellent. Well, that's the gist of the last five episodes in Ambridge. So what did you, our battle hardened dumpty dummers make of it all? Cambridge 3962. And first we have joyful Jen.
2: Greetings, Quentin and Philippa. Jen here calling in midweek. Probably a mistake because who knows what the big reveal will be. Just on the whole, is this Rob? First of all, when Joy in her two lead boots said, oh gosh, that suspicious chap that was hanging around in his own watching the house. Well, silly old me, but it's nothing. I thought, oh, here we go. (laughs) This must be Rob. But when intellectually challenged, Lee then immediately jumped to the same conclusion. I thought, oh, no, this is going to be a big red herring. And I'm very confused at the jump that's been made about, you know, Helen picks up the phone and suddenly we find that the Rob is back in the country and the police are tracking his movements. But I don't understand why. Um, There was no formal charge made against him for rape. Then he did this kidnap attempt on Giddy Jack. But my memory of that is that Helen intervened. She saved Gideon out of the car. Everyone was screaming at her to call the police. But that she didn't do that because she was in control and she was the boss and all of this. So I don't actually think there's any formal charges against Rob. So I don't understand why the police would be tracking him. Or if they were, why he wouldn't have been extradited back from Canada to face proper prosecution for child abduction. So that's all a bit muddy. And if they did bring Rob back, which I think inevitably they will, because he has a biological child there. Um, So either Jack will be interested in Rob, or Rob is certainly going to be interested in Jack. But I hope they do it in a much more subtle way, because that was what was scary about Rob. He was the, the villain hiding in plain sight. And it was the subtlety of that abuse that really made everyone's blood run cold. And I think it would do it disservice just to make him into this year's pantomime baddie.
3: What a great call there from Jen. Um, mm. what, uh, how she finished off that call reminded us of why we found Rob so chilling. Mm. Um, and, she, and Jen wants him reintroduced, which he will be in a more subtle way, because he was a, a multi layered, subtle. A malevolent character, wasn't he? Mm. And she says the subtlety of that abuse that really made everyone's blood run cold is what needs to be reintroduced. And, it, it, you know, you say his name and that's what makes you go, ooh, mm. um, that malevolence. So I, I agree with you, Jenny. It's too clunky, isn't it, to introduce him like this? I mean, I'm convinced that the footprint in the, in, in the soil is probably a, shaped in, in a horseshoe, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, so... I think it's it's to, just to make us feel un, uneasy, remind us that Rob could return, will return, but it won't happen yet, I, I, I feel sure of it. And I, I agree with, uh, with Jen, it was not really explained why suddenly Rob would be hauled in by the police, because... There's one throwaway line from Helen saying that they promised if he ever came back into this country, they would seize him. But as Jen says, for what? What has he been charged with? So uh, and equally, if he has been charged, then there's an extradition arrangement, I'm sure, between the UK and Canada, unless Brexit screwed that up as well um so um why has he not been extradited so it it it's it, she's right there are lots of loose ends there it hasn't really been properly explained and um you could say i mean i've always thought does he not have any rights to see his biological son anyway that hasn't really been explained he just disappeared but presumably he does have some rights so that surely will have to be developed but so uh, Really intriguing call, Jenny. You've really reminded me, certainly, of why we were all so unnerved by Rob.
1: Yes. Well, they did have the meeting after the court case to change his access and his rights, which uh, removed it. So that was sort of dealt with then. But um, obviously, he 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 has
3: no access rights at all.
1: Um, They were going to be monitored, and this is going back in my my mind, so I'm hoping I'm getting it right, that they were going to be observed and um, sporadic. But then, of course, he tried to take the child, so it it then got worse. But Jen's absolutely right. I, I think it's funny because whenever we hear of... Uh, an unnamed man appearing in Ambridge, we all jump up and say, oh, it's Rob, it's Rob, because we know at some point he is going to come back. Um, but it's it's just when, but I agree, it just seems too obvious. As you say, it's Blake or Jordan or, or Kenzie. Yes. And I can't imagine that Rob, that's how he would go about trying no. to seize a child anyway i mean again it's it's too obvious but we do always like to shout rob when we hear of hear of somebody new or uh sort of unnamed in, in the village so his time will come but but and i agree i don't think
3: many so. places to hide in ambridge I'm, I'm sure somebody would have spotted rob by now don't you think
1: yes i mean the cricket pavilion doesn't seem to be used very much at the moment well, apart, so. from, apart from shagging yeah yes so <laughs> who, who knows but uh yeah i've very, very good call yeah. Um Excellent. This subtlety of abuse, uh, mm. uh, an excellent term to use. I think the, the biggest risk to Helen at the moment is Lee with a DIY device rather than uh, it, it being Rob. But I'm sure all will be uh, revealed to us this week. And now we go on to courageous Claire.
5: Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Hackham here, just uh, with a quick uh, enthusiastic hurrah for joy Um, because it turns out she's a dab hand with an electric drill and uh, clearly quite self-sufficient in the realm of DIY and wanted to sort of take over from Tony when he was installing the camera this week. Um, Good for you, Joy. Uh, As you know from the call a few months ago, I'm all for people, especially women, who can do their own DIY, and I was just a cock hoop to hear that Joy is part of that gang. So uh, well done, Joy. Let's have some storylines about you doing some... I don't know, putting some shelves up or fixing something in your home would be great. Anyway, keep up the good work. I'll speak to you soon.
1: Oh, thanks, Claire. Yes, Claire, fix your own shelves from Clapham. Uh, it was great to hear more of Joy being, a yeah, as you say, a dab hand with electric drill. I mean, when Tony was using the drill, it sounded like it was more like a pneumatic drill than just a handheld device. The noise was so loud and it sounds as if he was barricading Helen in. I didn't get the feeling that he was just installing this video camera. And why would you install just one video camera facing the front door? You know, if there is somebody who has um, bad intentions, they're not going to go and stand at the front door, are they? To be captured, they're going to go round the back or round the side. It, it just uh, Tony, what were you doing? I was glad that Joy was on hand to try and sort him out. And yes, as Claire says, we need more Joy. What do you think, Quentin? Yeah, having said
3: that, Joy didn't say put the camera elsewhere, did she? Well,
1: no, she, she, but she, she was, I think, okay, you know, she was trying to correct him as they went along. Oh, I'm the itchy. one saying,
3: yeah.
1: Tony, you've got it wrong. You need more than one camera, but
3: well she was itching to take over wasn't she and when he dropped his roll plug she thought she was <laughs> yeah. in there um, but uh yeah so she's a dab hand with an, with an electric drill so uh if if she's not going to be the the village's childminder she could be the new D- diy person in town couldn't she with joy <laughs> claire celebrates this sort of thing and, and she wants to all women quite right to so do their own diy so uh, that's one joy's brought joy to claire this week um it just it just tickled me that <laughs> Joy went out to the street armed with a watering can. I thought that was that was, that was was funny. <laughs> I mean, as your weapon of choice, you wouldn't go with a watering can, really, would you?
1: <laughs> and when she said to Tony, don't worry, I won't, you know, I won't tell a soul. Um, I've just put it on the whole WhatsApp group and yeah. everyone's aware of watching out. <laughs> great great yeah. confidential matter, Joy, yeah. well done.
3: <laughs> um, and I didn't buy the fact that she said I didn't uh, twitch my neck curtains more anymore, so I didn't want to be seen. I mean, she couldn't... Joy, not completely twitch her nets. She, yeah. they, they would be thrown open. She's too bloody nosy. So I, I didn't quite buy that either. Um, so, but I'm in shock horror that Joy's got net curtains as well. Uh, <laughs> Did she strike as a net person? I think she, she's too curious in people to be a, a net curtain.
1: I think she's got those um, nighttime binoculars where you can see everything. Um, without needing any talk, a head torch or anything. So I, whether she's got neck curtains or not, I think she's she's seeing everything that goes on there.
3: Yeah, she should, should have gone out armed with an electric drill. Then perhaps the loiterer <laughs> yes. might have been a bit more scared.
1: <laughs> well, I do always say that she's in witness protection. So passing, of me was thinking, oh, uh, is this somebody come, you know, is this MI5 or SAS come to retrieve uh, her? Yeah, we're on the whole
3: Ro- Rochelle thread again, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I should just calm down and stop. But there we go. No, yeah. no, I mean okay. it,
3: this, this is unresolved, and this Rochelle Rochelle thing really irritates me because, you know, as I've said, I think she's a phantom or whatever. And lots of people think joy is in witness protection. There's more to Joy than meets the eye. I keep saying mm. this. I just wish they would meet the eye. Really, I'd like. Lo- <laughs> t- yeah. You know, it's it's still quite superficial with Joy, isn't it?
1: It is, but I love these glances we get mm. of her being more capable than others. Yes. And, um, and I think
3: bit by bit they need to peel off some more layers with joy. And there was just a flash, wasn't there, I said in my review that she was very wistful looking mm. at Tony and the strong family as around her. You could tell that's what she was yearning for. So, yeah, that needs that needs to be explained as well.
1: But Tony was only just tolerating her. He wasn't warmly accommodating her, I didn't think, when it did seem like she was the one helping and sort of uh, well, in charge of it. She's male mother. ego, isn't it?
3: It doesn't want to be told what to do with his electric drill.
1: Claire, thank you very much for your call. That was wonderful as always. And now we move on to the upper lower east-west side. It's, of course, the wonderful Witherspoon. Hey
0: baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and
4: scrambling.
6: Ah. Greetings, Philippa, Quentin, and all Dumpty to around the world. It's with the and Angus Haggis here. More to say about Alice and Chris and Brian and Jennifer this week. Gee, I feel like I'm stuck in a muddy rut on Lakey Hill. So we found out that Alice is actually divorcing Chris. That explained why Chris got rip-roaring drunk on Tuesday, even though he's been encouraging with all his heart an alcoholic to stay sober. At least he didn't make a pass at Amy, only at Cecil. I found it odd that Alice would jump in to help Chris on the morning after. So many things about it would be triggering to her, not the least the lingering smell of alcohol emanating from Chris's body. However, their conversation was quite touching and necessary for us to hear to gain clarity of where their relationship was heading. I'm still a bit in the dark as to why the scriptwriters have determined that a divorce is necessary as opposed to a separation to allow time for Alice to recover. Many couples do survive one partner's substance abuse and recovery, though many don't. Perhaps Alice and Chris were a mismatched couple from the beginning, and this was an opportunity to set things right. And maybe Alice will find her fulfillment in the horse industry. Remember, I talked about equine therapy a few months ago. As an aside, Alice noted she was going to her meetings, which is great, but you didn't hear the term AA. As I've mentioned this before, I think Alcoholics Anonymous has strict copyright rules about using their name in fictional pieces of writing and performances. Okay, briefly, Brian and Jenny. Brian showed once again that he's a selfish prat who thinks he knows better than <laughs> others about their own lives. While Jenny, with a high emotional IQ, is the counterbalancing force in their relationship, who brings him back to reality. And Quentin, you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> Talk to you soon.
3: <laughs> oh, Witherspoon, are you a lost cause with Brian? Uh, I mean, Brian, you know, I, I could. I thought, oh, Brian, why have you said that? You're going to be laid into so much now for, for just putting money before family. Um, so he didn't come out of that very well. But to be fair to Brian, as I always try to be, <laughs> he did qualify his statements beforehand by, by, by challenging Alice, by saying, divorce, you yeah, know, that soon, are mm-hmm. you sure? He did say, come on, this is ridiculous. Um which does chime with what you said with us why is a divorce necessary instead of a separation so i will defend brian on that basis it, it was crass for him to bring that up straight away it's an important consideration at some stage let's be honest about this um and you can understand why it will be a concern but to bring it up straight away was was awful and i can't defend that but um he did say he did challenge alice about rushing to divorce which i think jars because they've they have played out her story in real time and suddenly it seems to be sped up and i don't i I saw no reason why it had to be escalated to divorce so quickly and it's another of these speedy rush divorces like we had with shula and alistair we never were ever told, given an explanation by Shuler. poor Alison never got an explanation from her as to why she wanted to divorce. And it was a real source of frustration for me that she never came up with one. You, you know, you, the, the hurt parties is entitled to know why. So that was a, a gaping hole in, in the narrative. And mm. it's not really explained why these two are divorcing so quickly. I agree with you, I've always felt they were mismatched. I said last week that I don't think they were intellectually suited and compatible. And I think that is always a very important factor in any sort of successful relationship. So uh, I agree with you on that with a spoon, but um, uh, I think that uh, we are, as you can hear my voice, I'm very puzzled by this divorce. So quickly. That's
1: interesting because I completely get it. Uh I completely understand why Alice is doing it because Uh, Despite them individually being two good, well-intentioned, kind people together, it just it doesn't work. And that's not the reason why Alice is an alcoholic, but it has certainly made her personal circumstances much worse. So I can understand that she needs to draw a line under that permanently um, because she really sounds this week as if she's trying to look forward. And to be a better mother, you know, suddenly she sounded more of a mother, more of a committed um, parent once they talked about the divorce. And she was thinking about others. She was asking Shula about her arm and um, worrying about Banjo being sold. So I saw a different Alice this week. I'm not saying that's how it's going to be forever. I'm sure there'll be sort of ups and downs. But if I can understand that she wouldn't say, "Oh, let's just try the separation," because for her, she has she has to draw a line under what was toxic for her and her situation. So, I I kind of get that. I'm interested though. In how the divorce w- will work, you know, Susan is going to be distraught that her tie to the Aldridges is is going to be severed. You know, she got so much from that—holding dinner parties with Jennifer and Brian, and, and really feeling like she'd moved up the the social ladder. Mm. And and I wonder who's going to be chasing the money. In some ways, I don't expect Chris to be pushing for that, but I could imagine Tracy thinking about the money side. And we've already yeah. heard about Brad forging a solicitor's letter in the past. So maybe Tracy yeah. will we'll will get Brad to crank out another letter.
3: So uh, do you think Bran was it was a legitimate concern of Bran's?
1: Uh I think that they are exposed. I mean that, that's how it is. You know, Chris uh, the married in Alice in good faith. He's been looking after Martha. So mm. I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong um but it is possible that he could go for quite a sum of money not just um his portion of alice's assets that he would be entitled to but also if he is going to be the main carer for for martha i mean who knows um you know there there could be quite a, quite a chunk of money but chris doesn't strike me that that's what he's looking no. for and that's what he's focusing well, on. I think but people
3: around him will push him. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And I get what with spoon saying about Jenny's um, higher emotional IQ. Sometimes she's really strong. Um, she was when Alice told them about getting divorced. She was much more sort of advanced along that that mental path than Brian was. But sometimes she still makes me cross. You know, she she when she was talking about Adam and his commute, she's so unrealistic. <laughs> Why not just say, he's got to get used to it. Just crack on, get on with it. This As someone commute. says to me, suck it up, buttercup. You know, just get on with it. And, and yet she's so pandering to <laughs> he him. He looks so, so
3: tired. Looks so
1: she does. Tired. She yeah. does make me make me uh, make me a bit a, a bit cross at. But it, it, was a, it was a it was
3: a bizarre scene that with Alice and Chris, and I agree with Witherspoon. The, the triggers mm. were very odd. Uh, you know, to be reeking of alcohol is not the best state for a recovering alcoholic to find their estranged husband. Really, is it? And they were just so sort of nicey nicey about it. Uh, yeah, up to this mm. point, Chris has always. Fought, hasn't he? To try to, he's always been desperate to keep together and and fight for their relationship. And he just like capitulated and and just just ate a scrambled egg.
1: I think that was too easy, and I I'm sure in future there'll be the times of him begging to come Mm. back. Or it, it it seemed too easy. Yeah, but Alice did seem better this week. Um than previous weeks I didn't have to think oh my goodness had she been drinking by the tone in her voice she was much more sort of level um, and sort of coherent and I actually enjoyed the scenes I wasn't fearful of of what she was going to say and who she was going to rip into next Um, and if she's going to help Shula then that's that's great so I'm just enjoying the nice time at the moment but I yeah, there's going to be a, there's
3: going to be quite a yeah. cust, there's going to be quite a custody battle, isn't there? Let's be honest.
4: I think
1: yes, it's, but then yeah. uh, she accepts her position and she sees what a good parent Chris is, allegedly. Um, yeah, but and she was so,
3: saying I I wanted to have a, a proper mother and all this. Yes, which is laudable, yes. but uh, how much access does she expect?
1: But what a change to a week ago when she couldn't even bear to hold Martha.
3: I know, which again is sort of speeding up the whole process, isn't it? When it's everything's been played out in real time.
1: But it just made me feel that suddenly she wasn't the guilty party in a way. It was Chris because he'd been out drinking and that gave her, by not being saddled with so much guilt, it gave her the freedom to be a stronger parent. Um, uh, And so, yeah, I found that interesting. But of course, I don't have the experience that Witherspoon does of uh, knowing much more about um, this condition and managing it. So yeah, I, I, I bow to Witherspoon, definitely, always.
3: We bow again.
1: Yes, we do. Well, we'll have some more of your calls in a moment. But if you're listening to this thinking, I'd like to record a message and I wonder how to do it, Here's how.
3: Yes. Yeah, so we we always like to think of this as the as people's podcast, don't we, Philippa? Mm. Um, as I always say, but we need people <laughs> to yes. populate this podcast, and that's <laughs> you. So if you want to record a message or a plot prediction, one way is to visit the dumptydum.com website where you can click the red speak pipe link on the left and submit your call. I promise you it is really, really easy. You can have as many goes as you like. Nobody's going to hear it apart from you until you send it. So don't worry. Very easy. Another way to send a, a voice message recording is to use the uh, send a WhatsApp voice note, and this is the number that you need. It's zero seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. That's zero seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. Remember, of course, if you're calling from outside the UK, to add a plus forty four.
1: Speaking of the website, you'll find a link there to Patreon where you can financially support the show. Now, Royfield has been going on again about how many costs are involved with steering the good shit Dumdy de dum On and on and, he's gone, isn't he? Yes, and still getting cross that we're not talking about Patreon more. So your help would be greatly appreciated and means we don't get told off as much as we do. But we need to say a huge thank you, a huge thank you to our new Patreon this week. Heather, Yes, bless you and thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Heather. Thank you definitely thank you very much and now let's get back to those calls and first of all we hear from fabulous formerly cycling christine hello philippa quentin and all fellow dum-de-dummers this is
7: formerly cycling christine calling in things that made no sense this week well firstly amy who works in nottingham moving back in with her father and usha If Adam has a long commute, which is 20 miles, I can assure you that going from Worcestershire all the way over to Nottingham is about three times as long. Mm. Absolutely no sense at all. If she's coming back, why hasn't she just changed? They said she's just changed her job. Secondly, Alice deciding on a divorce less than two weeks after emerging from rehab. Yes, this may very well be the right decision, but surely it would be far too soon for such a definitive step to be taken by her. Maybe she'd say to Chris that she's thinking of it and they need, she needs to look long term, but straight away, doesn't seem right to me. Thirdly, no way is it Rob hanging around. Far too much preparation. Surely he's going to be sprung on us as a huge surprise in the way Mac Crawford returned with his Hello Puss Cat a while ago. Probably one day in about five years' time. I would imagine it's going to be Blake or Jordan or Kenzie, seeing as how they're hanging round the house where Kirsty used to live. And finally, Chris's divorce settlement. Well... I don't know how much he would be due, but it seems to me the logical thing would be that he would get the nest to be his for him and Martha to live
1: in in per- perpetuity. Thank you very much. See you all soon. Bye. Oh, thank you, Christine. That That's great. Yes. Things that make no sense. Um, the distance for Amy to travel to work, if that's what she's doing. Alice deciding on a divorce. It's not Rob. Will Chris get the nest? I don't know. There were other things that made no sense to me. How many times were flowers mentioned early on in the week? I know there was a flower and produce show, but it just seemed like they'd set up a point system for every time a flower got mentioned, someone was going to get a bonus. That seemed to go on and on, not just in the first episode. And secondly, who put cinnamon in a blackberry crumble? Yes, you might put it in an apple crumble, I have never heard of that before so I found that quite perplexing. And Jenny letting herself into the nest with a gift of pram shoes. What was that about? Yeah, what was that about? That first of all that she lets herself into that house is weird and yeah. secondly the pram shoes. I thought Chris handled it very well but uh, yeah that that was odd. And then when Amy suddenly turned up with a baby grow I you know, it could have gone a different way. It could have been, oh, Amy's saying, oh, I thanks think it, for it last was a, it night. It was a
3: pussycat, baby girl, wasn't
1: it? Yes, it was. Mm. <gasps> dear, oh, dear. But mm. um, will Chris want to stay in the nest, Christine? That's my question to you. I I don't know. I, If it's given to him, maybe he'd want to actually sell it. Is he going to want to stay there where Jenny can just let herself in at a moment's notice? I, I, I don't know. Will Chris stay in the nest, Quentin? What do you think?
3: No idea. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine so initially. Yes. Um, he's, he's got his business and everything and it's Martha's home. So my hunch is he'll stay for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Things that make no sense. Well, that's pretty much the archers, isn't it, Christine? Really? <laughs> two quick points. Uh, flower and produce, Eddie. Why, why was he, uh, accommodated so much for his cheating? As far as I'm concerned, he should have been banned from the flower and produce show for the next two years. A bit like a uh, football hooligan. I tweeted about this. And, and, and you know, football hooligans get banned, don't they? Either for life or for a few seasons. And I think Eddie should be bloody banned from the Flower and Project Show. he tried to nobble it. He cheated. <laughs> Sorry. And they were all sort of, oh, isn't that nice? That he's got a monkey on a plate, whatever it was, popping in it. And he said, oh, yeah. Joe would have been delighted. You know, the fact that he's made everybody smile. He's cheated. It's not on. It should be banned. Oh, I
1: actually actually cried. That's how sad I am. When Jenny announced he got the award, I I cried. I was like, oh, that's so nice. I'm so pleased.
3: (sighs) The entries were down because he'd nobbled everybody. He was outrageous. I
1: know, I know. And so he didn't get a normal prize, but he He got a special. He shouldn't have got any prize.
3: He should have been given his marching orders for two years. I know. On on your bike, mate. Or your limo, whatever (laughs) he's. on at the moment (laughs) i've already gone off eddie anyway let's talk about amy i i'm puzzled because i don't know whether it's the scripting or the performance but i find her very flat and a bit dull to be honest (laughs) and if she's meant to be new on the scene injecting a bit of you know zip and a bit of interest she's sending me to sleep and she's Mm. they've got to write her better or she's got to be performed with more energy and spark because I think something's going to happen between her and Chris, but um, there's got to be a sort of something about it. Gosh, she is dull. So, uh, Amy, uh, get your act together, please, either the writers or the performance. I quite agree with you, Christine. This, uh, uh, she's commuting from Worcestershire to Nottinghamshire. I mean, I live in Nottinghamshire. It's, it's a long haul. Uh, mm-hmm. So once again, Adam, you ain't got a leg to stand on. But I mean, again, I'm puzzled. Why the hell isn't she back in Nottingham? How long is this holiday of hers? Mm. Uh, is she going to continue to be a midwife? It's It's all a bit vague. Um, we've discussed this about the divorce, the speedy divorce, Christina. as you've just heard from me, I, I agree with you. I think it is too hasty. philippa disagrees, uh, but I, I think it's, it's it's too soon. It doesn't sit right with me at all. Agreed with you about Rob. Yeah. He won't be sprung on us. It's just a, it's just a frighten us, isn't it? And we will probably have a hello puss cat moment from Rob, <laughs> won't we? Um, and uh we just discussed the nest, didn't we? Yes, it should be his, and I think he'll stay put, Philippa.
1: Hmm, fair enough. I I appreciate your point about Amy, and she manages to turn a one-syllable word into three syllables, which I find intriguing. Like yes <laughs> or no. Yeah, that, that's a bit strange, but yes, all all good points. Nothing makes any sense, Christine. So no, that's uh, why never. we
3: listen, isn't it? Really. <laughs>
1: yes. That's why we're sitting here talking about it for hours on end because nothing will ever make sense. and That's what we love about it. Anyway, let's go straight on to Curious Catherine.
5: Hi, Dumb to Dumbers. This is Catherine ringing up. I'm in a car, so sorry if the noise is really bad. I'm going off to stage my own Jennifer and Rory moment with my son. So we started the week with the Drurathon that's the terrible flower and produce show. <laughs> and noticed the increasing desperation to provide a purpose for Eddie There must be something. I googled his age. I'm stunned he's in his 70s. Can't they find a hobby for a man in his 70s uh, and get him busy with that because at the moment it's pretty crap? Um, I love Jennifer going equipped to break and enter Chris's house with a casserole. He didn't seem at all bothered by her wandering around uh, his home. Then also the topic that's been uh, part of the conversation for the last few weeks. Why are they all surprised when they have children that they actually need to provide some sort of childcare? So we've got Chris suddenly realising he has to look after Martha. Adam and Ian are utterly clueless when faced with an all of a 20 mile um, job commute. And I remember also Pip giving her baby to any old person she found on the street to look after when she had a baby. Why can't they find some sort of uh, nursery or childcare arrangement? Or in fact, can't that feature in the uh, plot lines? I hate Lee, and him fixing the car just goes to show, as ever, what a weed he is. He can't do anything. Can't fix a car, can't decorate. What can he actually do, apart from Kung Fu or whatever it is? Lastly, Chris is boozing. It was quite a weird night out, wasn't it, um, with Chris uh, at the pub and everybody else on coffee. We knew that he was quite a social kind of animal and a pub regular from when he was married to Alice. But it seems a bit of a blunt instrument to make uh, this point that... Obviously, he was also culpable in her alcoholism and and their sort of culture within their relationship. And lastly, I know you're all going to talk about it for the whole of the podcast, but it's not Rob. It's one of the horses. It's a big anticlimax. We're keeping Rob for Christmas, hopefully. Have a great week.
3: Thank you, Catherine. Um, uh, Very much life imitating art, isn't it? Because uh, Catherine filed Mm. that today on the way to dropping off her youngest son to Cambridge, no less, uh, courtesy of a state school education. So congrats to him. Uh, which, of course, as she alluded to, chimes with that lovely scene a few weeks ago with Jenny and Rory at the station, which Catherine remarked upon at the time on this podcast, along with a few other mums and dads. And uh, that's something you've you know, you've got all this to to come, Philippa, haven't you? The great wrench, the great wrench. I am
1: not ready for that. Yes, I am telling
3: you, it is. I am telling. You, I've been through <laughs> it three times. <laughs> Once again, Catherine has packed her call with uh, a mini podcast in itself. But uh, let's pick out one or two points: the dreary thon, the terrible. <laughs> produce show what is the eddie needs a purpose yes i've said this before on the podcast you know they they would constantly rely on giving him ruses don't they but um he hasn't got a foil anymore so they're not so effective i had no idea he's in his 70s did you Philippa? in his 70s yes did you i did
1: actually yes but that's That's, that's that's young, certainly around where I live. That's frightening. <laughs> well, I suppose he's been around ages, isn't he? Seventies. Well,
3: wow. well, he needs a hobby. Uh, every man needs a hobby, apparently. Uh, Catherine focused on the on, on the on that scene in the pub. Uh, it was a weird night out, wasn't it? Um, mm. um, as she said, he was on the booze, and everybody else was on coffee. Uh, but it's it did weave in just his element of culpability in in whether it he f- helped fuel that culture of alcoholism in, 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 you know, his life and in, and in their home life as well. Uh, did he encourage her to be an, an alcoholic or was she always going to be an alcoholic? It's nature and nurture, I guess a bit, but uh, it, it didn't, it did feel uncomfortable. I particularly, I felt that the scene afterwards when, you know, she, she was bending over him and he was breathing out all these alcoholic fumes. Mm. So, Yeah, it was weird, and I I agree with you on that. We've discussed the childcare issue, Catherine, before on the podcast. Uh, You know, for goodness sake, get your act together, everybody. Uh, Claire from Clapham suggested the solution is Joy, who Mm. should become a childminder if she's not doing all the villages DIY by next week. Uh, Lee, I can't bear him either, although he did redeem himself, and as, as I did flag up a few weeks ago, he did stand up to Adam uh, uh, about the embezzled money. And so he went up hugely in my estimation that week, but he did come across as a bit annoying again this week, didn't he? His inability to do any sort of practical work, but he's essentially a good soul and he's looking after Helen he? So um, I'm not going to completely slag him off. but uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the horses we've, we've, we've sure mm. of that. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, Rob is going to be kept for Christmas as the Christmas cliffhanger.
1: But how how is Blake going to be discovered? I, I think Joy will see someone back in the garden, try and phone Helen. Of course Helen's not going to be able to go and see. So as the house owner that I think Kirsty still is, I, I think Helen's still renting it from Kirsty. Yeah, Kirsty yeah. would be summoned and, and and discover Blake and uh we'll hear how how they're they're doing. I think that will be quite interesting to to hear um somebody said oh it's uh it's gavin but uh, he's still inside yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um I mean, he got so, he
3: got a lesser sentence and of course people only serve course, half their sentence but
1: yeah but that would be yes sup- supersonic speed i've decided to forgive eddie for his vile what? behavior in previous weeks no, because red card i i just felt it was it, we came through the evolution of his being a complete pain, that it was that he was um, missing his dad, that he wanted to find a way to market, that he realised the error of his ways. And really it was with Kenton and Jolene standing up to him that helped him realise that. No, he, was
3: just, he, was a, he was a sod. That they found he problem. was. He was horrible he to was. them. No, He was really he aggressive was. with them. He was horrible
1: because then Kenton offered him his highly commended. Which is nice of Kenton. It was lovely, but I thought, no, I, I could understand it. And I believe now that Eddie is back to being his normal character, but my, I'm waggling my finger in the air. And if I spot that Eddie's back to his normal, well, his previous vile tactics, then there will be a lot to answer for. But I'm I'm presuming all will be fine with that. Um, uh, well, you're, we hear you're, Tom.
3: You're a soft touch, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> he behaved appallingly in the build-up and at there the flower produce show. You had to go at, at Jolene and, we've and Kenton
1: through the story. It's fine. Come on, come on, Eddie. But we heard that Tom hadn't got enough casual labour for pickers. Hmm. Well, why didn't? why does eddie always do things that stand no chance of making any money whatsoever and yet when there are actual jobs going what why doesn't he do that i mean honestly in our town um because it's mainly retired the newspaper newspaper people <laughs> are now retired it, it's the sort of it, it's typical that it's sort of a 60 70 80 year old either on a bike or in a car going around delivering the newspapers See? and that that's right. what happens so, you get, so your,
3: you get your daily paper a week late right
1: <gasps> no <laughs> no you get it very early because everyone's <laughs> up very early 4 a.m let's get those newspapers out <laughs> um so uh yeah uh, well i don't understand why eddie just doesn't go and actually earn some legitimate money for some legitimate work uh, i didn't get that but uh, no catherine thank you for your call um superb as always and now from one superb to another superb it's super sarah
8: hello you two it's sarah from smethwick here i'm glad to see the back of the flower and produce show debacle and the nasty side <laughs> it brought out in eddie normally a fan of his but you can go off people so rob's <laughs> back is he or is he i'm not sure it's quite the right time for another heavy storyline when we're not out of the woods with alice yet Perhaps it's some more prosaic explanation, although I don't know what. Some people have suggested it might be one of the slaves or Gavin come back and the barbecue remains and cans found by Tony might back this up. And now to Alice. I think she's doing the right thing. She's naturally a high flyer, literally. Didn't she tell Harrison that she wanted to be a pilot or something equally ambitious? OK, she wasn't a cook at that point, but even so. She's not really cut out, so never wanted to be a stay-at-home mum. I don't see her and Chris as intellectually compatible and in the long run I think it's going to be better for her to spread her wings and maybe even leave Ambridge. Didn't do Debbie any harm. The claustrophobia of a small life might well have been a trigger for drinking. Anyway that's uh, my two penneth. Terrar bits.
1: bit. bit. Thanks Sarah very much for that. Yeah some really interesting points and, and you're right Alice did well originally she wanted to Design planes and be a a, a plane engineer. Uh, and didn't she, didn't she go want to go move to Canada? I think it was. And she went for an interview. And Chris was really unhappy. And she was going to move over there. And then Chris had his accident, so Alice had to fly back. And she, she could see Rob in the, the departures lounge, world. couldn't she? <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. So all along she's been resisting traditional small village life and um, maybe this is the result. And, and I thought it was interesting, the comparison of drinking between them both. Alice was very concerned that Chris wasn't going to, uh, you, you know, start drinking lots and that he realised it was a bad thing. And she didn't seem to um, regret not drinking. As I said earlier, she she did seem stronger and I liked hearing that in in, uh, in her um and is selling banjo her penance again is it another way of um purging her guilt yes she's going to miss banjo a lot but it's part of her sort of serving her own sentence for for what she's done i'm not saying that's right or wrong it's just the feeling that that i got what i want we've heard alice tell her parents about the divorce please oh please oh please can we hear chris telling his parents because that's something oh. that i would be keen to hear
3: that that will that will be a good scene won't it it will uh the banjo scene that was interesting i expected it to be far more emotional actually and i also thought we're being set up for some terrible accident incident with banjo so i was extremely relieved when she got back to the stable in one piece and um she's now being offered equine therapy by shula which was a nice gesture. Mm. Uh, which Witherspoon approves of. Um, so, yeah i I, I almost feel Alice at the moment. It's speaking by rote. She's like speaking off a script she's been given by the rehab center. You know, I'm not. It mm. sh- doesn't feel entirely. She's all very, very controlled and measured. Mm. And, uh, where's that? Where's that fire in her belly that she used to have, even without alcohol? You know. I think we've got more fights on the way. So, yeah, great to hear from your views as as ever from Smethic, Sarah, and do call-in again many times, please.
1: Yes, so those are the calls, but you can also send us an email or a text if you prefer. So how can dum dummers do that, Quentin?
3: Yes, you're very welcome to to send a text uh, because we appreciate not everybody wants to actually Exercise the vocals and leave a recording. So, if you want to send a text, this is the number 07957 167696. That's 07957 167696. Remember, if you're calling from outside the UK, to add a plus 44. Alternatively, you could send us an email. We'd be delighted to receive one of those. To do that, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the contact us tab at the top of the dumptydum.com website. Please do get your calls, emails, and texts in by lunchtime on Sunday as we record this gibberish at 3 p.m. <laughs> UK time. And also remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments.
1: And so we go from our caller innerers to our email and text erinnerers.
9: Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions, like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place
9: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: And uh, our only email this week is from Anon of Ambridge, I believe, Quentin.
3: Yeah, here we go again, Anon. Um, It's another food-based one. I don't know, there's a bit of a theme going on here. Come on, you've got to change change your tune on. Anyway, they say, Dear Auntie Philippa and Uncle Quentin, thank you for all your advice. You are very kind. Well, we are, aren't we,
1: Philippa? <laughs> we try.
3: My question today is about crumble and how it should be eaten. Do I have it with custard or ice cream or something else? Apparently, I need to do this, as it needs something to take away the taste of the cinnamon. Many thanks, <laughs> Anon of Ambridge. Crumble... It's unequivocal. It's got to be warm custard. There you are. Sean <gasps> sure Sweet. Oh
1: my goodness. I'm sorry, Quentin. This friendship is officially over. Okay, I'll leave no. now.
3: I'll leave now. <laughs> Bye. I'm off. Bye. No,
1: <laughs> no custard. That's school lunches put me off The uh, oh, pink and blue blue colored custard we used to have oh no thank you no it needs to be cream and the thicker the better ideally like clotted cream that that sort of consistency but you, you, uh, and, you and cream here we go again yes but a of ambridge we need you to to watch out There are some lurkers lurking in a very lurky way somewhere in ambridge and we need you to find them and tell us who they are because we think we know but sometimes there are surprises in the arches. So, and on a average, finish your crumble with cream. Custard. And uh, go and go and find it out. It cannot be.
3: Beautiful, thick, warm custard over a Ugh. crumble. And Ugh. the crumble has to be gungy. Gungier, the better.
1: Oh, no, I like crumble from the fridge. I don't like a warm pudding, no.
3: I, I like a cold crumble as well. But uh, if we're talking warmth... Yeah, That's, and I, and I like BlackBerry and Apple. It's my favourite combination.
1: With cinnamon or with no, God no, 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 yeah, That's, exactly.
3: Not, not as much as t- Tony piled on. Yes. <laughs> you can hear Pat's exasperation.
1: Was it all right? Was it
3: all right? He asked about four or five times. <laughs>
1: yes, Tony, it was. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. As good good with the crumble as he is with the drill, I think, but never mind. Anyway, yes. And uh, our text this week is from Chris in York. And Chris says, uh, hello, Banjo must be breathing a sigh of relief. He is well out of it. Shula and Alice to listen to as they ride around on you. Chris will also come round to this point of view as he counts the Aldridge millions. But didn't Brian lose all the dosh when he spilt the TCP? (laughs) Really glad the weird Casablanca thing with Neil is over. How old are these people? Is this Last of the Summer Wine? Chris from York. Well, I loved Last of the Summer Wine. It's classic Sunday TV, a bit of Howard's Way. And Last of the Summer Wine lovely and a bit of crumble with cream perfect custard uh, (laughs) i love the spilt with tcp reference chris very very good i mean alice is still worth a considerable chunk i have to presume with, with the business um so i'll be interested as we've already said to to know how much chris is is going to chase that because he yeah he could be entitled to to quite a bit
3: yeah Uh last of the summer wine he thinks uh god i saw an edition of last of the summer wine the other week it is dreadful god i i used to love it we used to watch it as a family i used to watch every week uh, mm. uh because my parents did and i oh, it was nice enough it was harmless enough and i quite enjoyed it um but of course it got flogged and flogged and flogged and flogged to death
4: mm. and
3: um Oh, it got so silly, didn't it? Oh, they were pathetic, those men. Pathetic. Anyway, I've got a I've got a last of the summer wine story because years and years ago I used to work in Harrods. Uh, in a department oh. in a department called Leisure Man. Yes, Leisure Man. <laughs> Where you can go and get your your, your casuals in Leisure Man. I did actually I was a ground floor mobile before that, which was in I could I'd turn up in the morning, I could be put in any department on the ground floor, but that's an my first ever department I was put in on my first day in my brand new suit, I was put in smoked fish. So they, no! Yes, yes, I, I didn't know one end of a fish <laughs> from the other. Anyway, so anyway, I eventually ended up in Leisure Man. And it being Harris used to get quite some famous people coming through. And uh, one day uh, Peter Salis came through, you know, and he, he played ah. Norman Cleggy Clegg
1: yeah.
3: in Last of the Summer Wine as well as the voice of uh, in Wallace and Gromit, wasn't he? Uh, anyway, he came in, shall we say, in an, in, in an Alice state, shall we say. Oh. Yeah, and he wasn't very nice. So I'm afraid that really did <laughs> um, uh, colour my opinion of, of, of Lost of the Summer Wine. So I can never watch it with quite the same zest as I used to. So there's a story. Uh, I could, shall I drop some other names in? That, go uh, on I mean shall I uh, people just, I happen <laughs> to see or I mean
1: I, I I could
3: I mean Rod Stewart oh Rod was there with a blonde woman surprise surprise um Sting I, oh wow I sold Sting some underpants uh in Man. he was there with his then wife Frances Tumblety uh do you remember the the brand Om H-O-M I sold yeah him. yeah, yeah we, I sold him some of those at about a year ago, he was being interviewed by a colleague of mine in the BBC, and I, I didn't—I wasn't in the building at the time, but just remind him that you worked with a colleague who years ago sold you some underpants. See what he says. And he wasn't having it, Sting. He, he, he obviously couldn't remember it, no. but um, he, he sort of brushed it away, saying, oh, no, no, it's not the sort of thing I'd I do. I, I wouldn't buy those. I'm telling you, mate. <laughs> I served you. Were you. There. you bought those underpants, <laughs> but the biggest, uh, the, the, there was Donald Pleasance came in. He was a famous actor. Oh, he? He, yeah. he played Blofeld. But um one day I heard this voice behind this carousel of clothes saying, "Oh, hi, can can you help me, please?" And I sort of look round. It was Lauren Bacall. I served no. Lauren Bacall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like, I could, hardly, I could hardly breathe. She was lovely, absolutely lovely. She was there with her grandson. And she wasn't looking for any sort of, hey, I'm the big star at all. She was just out with her Mm. grandson. She was fantastic. So there you go. Yeah.
1: It's very interesting hearing you say about the uh, leisure man department. That just makes me think about Lee. Yes. Oh, he'd love That Lee should be running that. Um, My favourite quote from Last of the Summer Wine was when, um, it was Nora Batty, wasn't it? Yeah, she she was great. Oh, oh, if you want to keep a man occupied, you give him a map and ask him the shortest way to Preston. There's a lot of truth (laughs) in that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, times have moved on since then, but it, it, it did make me chuckle. Anyway, thank you, Chris in York. Wonderful. Thank you all for your calls and emails and texts. We value them so much. Please keep them coming. And so to Facebook and our lovely Dumpty Dum community there as we sit back for the weekly roundup with our Stephen.
4: Hi. This is Stephen with your social media roundup. We started the week with a mysterious stranger prowling around Beechwood. Who did Dumpty Dummers think it was? Quite a lot of people across social media were sure it was Rob. This was enough to cause our Rob Williams to say, "It's not me." Trina Hollis suggested that it was one of Philip Moss's lads. Jacqueline Berteau had other ideas. Sam, she suggested, that would be Ruth's former flame. And then Charlie Thomas, Adam's former lover. There was a definite theme developing there. Shirley Farrant-Anstey was also thinking about figures from the past. About time Ambridge had a visit from Clive Horobin, up to no good again. It's been too quiet. Glyn Fullerlove had a more innocent suggestion. Jamie Burks, checking out some trees. Among the more far-fetched suggestions was Heather Gordon's. Lee's evil, more interesting twin brother, Derek. While Leslie Greaves thought that it might be the ghost of Joe Grundy wandering the village in search of the Frida Fly cup. And Helen Cook suggested it's a location scout for Midsummer Murders. And we still don't know the real answer. Although with all the work Tony has been doing with Joy's help to set up cameras, we may find out quite soon. Talking of Joy, There was one final suggestion worth mentioning. Audrey Brown said, He is the son of one of Joy's old squad of assassins. She had a fling with a guy long ago and left him holding the baby. He retired then, and she went on to achieve great acclaim in her field. The guy is dead now, but his son is looking for his mother, Joy. He knows nothing about his parents' past. To which Rob Williams could only say, At last, a believable theory. Chris Carter's plans for a night at the bull with Fallon, Harrison and Amy led Emily Pettingill to do some digging around. Stephen, she said, two weeks ago you wrote the following in response to those of us who were concerned that Chris and Amy were going to hook up. Why this insane urge to pair people up on the back of a single conversation or the appearance of a new character? This is The Archers, not Love Island. What possible reason does Amy have in starting a sexual relationship with Chris in the course of a fairly short stay with her parents? Emily asked whether I had any comments on what I had written. Well, other dumpty dummers had thoughts on the topic. Gillian Holmes said, I don't think it's likely that Chris might try it. He has virtually no experience with any women apart from Alice, and Hannah had a thing for him. Gillian Corrigan was also giving the matter some thought. Not sure who's after who. Amy turns up with clothes for the baby, but then Chris invites her out to make a foursome. Drew Hamilton asked, Did I miss something? Aren't they just going to Harrison's for a beer? I can assure you I've gone for many beers without hooking up. And Louise Silburn added, Nothing happened, and neither Amy or Chris intended it to be, but the villagers will jump to conclusions. I reckon that will be the beginning of more trouble for Chris, and another drinking trigger for Alice. I said that I stood by my original statement, and Witherspoon felt much the same. Many of us are quick to speculate on the romantic sexual possibilities of two people of the opposite gender, or sometimes of the same gender, who are merely conversing or being friendly with each other. Of course, the scriptwriters helped fuel this thinking, I was also struck when Amy asked whether Alice would be joining them at the pub. Way too early in her recovery for her to do that. After Wednesday's episode, Sarah Evans asked, Does anyone else find it totally weird and unbelievable that Chris would go out on the lash after everything that just happened and then have his hangover nursed by his alcoholic wife? Lynn Rafferty said, Totally believable for Chris to overdo it. It's always been how the couple relaxed, and prior to Alice's collapse last summer, they would both drink to excess and nurse a hangover. Jan Mitchell said, I found it bizarre. Chris seems to have a drinking problem as well, if that's his go-to for solace. Several dumpty-dumbers have commented since the Alice's storyline began that alcoholism was, is a family problem. Fiona Crawford agreed. Yes, I assumed he'd be put off alcohol for life after he's experience with Alice this year. Thursday's cliffhanger involved Brian worrying that Home Farm was about to take an enormous financial hit as a result of Chris and Alex divorcing. Rob Williams asked whether it would be even bigger than the hit you gave it, Brian, as a result of the pollution incident. Pete Ranson didn't think it would come to that. I suspect Chris is a nicer guy than that, though. Taking the farm to the cleaners is unlikely. Brian is such a doom-monger. Gillian Corrigan said, I'm hoping Chris does get a half-decent lawyer. Would he really be entitled to half of her share of the farm, Was that something she had before the marriage? And Witherspoon noted, One downside if Chris gets a share of the farm, Susan will be insufferable. That was just a small selection of the topics discussed on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page last week. If you want to join in the discussions, just search on Facebook for Dumpty Dum and join right in. We're a very friendly bunch, and always welcome new points of view. And now, I'll hand you back to the studio.
1: Thank you, Stephen, and everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. What a great community. Do join us on the group. We'd love to see you there.
3: We're also sort of big on Twitter as well. We have the uh, Dumpty Dum team who are doing a great job. Thank you all. Uh, Like them, when tweeting, it's best to use the archers. It's sort of one word, um, that hashtag. But do remember to use the capital T and capital A. That's because it allows the visually impaired to enjoy your tweets as well. Uh, don't forget to also include at Dumpty Dum as well. That means that we can all see your tweets and keep that community growing. And also helps promote the, the podcast and the website.
1: Excellent. And as well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBook Review. How about you, Quentin?
3: Yes, my ramblings on this matter, the arches, can be found at 13 Minute Man. That's one three-minute man.
1: And now it's that moment. It's time to crown our tweeters of the week.
3: This is Generating enormous interest, isn't it? Weekly now,
1: Philip. <laughs> I mean, it's,
3: it's the highlight for many people, I think, whether they'll it be, is. On, be on the podium. And I, I'm very aware that uh, I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm disappointing thousands, but I have <laughs> to choose three, don't I? So, in bronze position, we have Joe Moriarty at Aspirant Diva. And she asks or suggests this Amy's holiday seems to have been extended a lot. Rather strange for an NHS worker or are no babies being born in Nottingham? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, To which uh, Chris Worthing replied, uh, especially as this is peak baby delivery time. And Joe says, oh, yes, i would forgotten. The end of September is the time when there are most births, and I didn't know that. Anyway, Joe, quite right. Clearly no babies being born in Nottingham. How long is Amy going to be hanging around Ambridge? That gets you the bronze in silver. We have Stephanie Migott at Miss Migott. And she says, Amy, I can hear your nickelastic pinging from here. Step away from the heartbroken man in the drunken coma. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and in gold, uh, first-time winner is uh, Lucy Toberone. She's one of my favorite tweeters. And she's at Ms. Luby Lou. And this is uh, a, an imagined comment from Shooter by the looks of it. Uh, because they were talking, weren't they, about uh, horses being a good horses being good listeners? So mm. Lucy posits this. Banjo told me you were a pisshead and terrible mother, Alice. <laughs> Gold to you, Lucy. Well done.
1: Well done. Now, being British, we hate talking about money, don't we? But as we said earlier, there are costs involved with keeping the podcast afloat. The website needs maintaining, there are licences to be paid for. Royfield does have various costs to pay uh, with running this podcast for you.
3: So if you are and would be interested in supporting Dumpty Dum like uh, Heather was this week, Mm. so thank you again, Heather. We would be ever so grateful if you'd step up and and, and give us a few pennies. Uh, You can do this via the Patreon tipping system, which you can find on the Dumpty Dum website or going direct to patreon.com and typing in Dumpty Dum. It all helps deliver this podcast to your ears every week and the main Advantage is it gets Royfield off our backs, doesn't doesn't it?
1: (laughs) It certainly does. Thanks again to our Stephen for his dumpty-dum tune and his Facebook roundup. And for calls, text emails from Jen, Witherspoon, Claire, Christine, Catherine, Sarah, Chris and Anon of Ambridge.
3: Thanks also to our social media supremos. Cosmo for his podcast roundups, which you can find on the website, by the way. Shambridge for our voices. Mike Hatton for his character counts. And to our podcasting parents, Lucy V Freeman and Royfield Brown.
1: So what will be revealed next week? Will the government announce a global cinnamon shortage thanks to Tony's dubious cooking skills? Will Amy realise that her holiday was supposed to finish two weeks ago and she's lost her job? Will Lee start a repair shop and have people pay money for him not to fix anything? And will Helen find out that the man in the garden is actually Philip Moss, escaped from prison, putting up his beloved Christmas decorations? It is, after all, only ninety days left to Christmas. All will be. Revealed. So it's a bye bye from me.
3: And it's a very good bye from me.